What's going on, everyone? Today is Monday, December 19th. I am your host, Justin Perry, and this is the Shot Quality Bets podcast. Today on the show, I am joined by my co-host, as always, Big 3 for 3, and we're going to be doing it a little bit differently than maybe what you're used to on the podcast. There's no special guest today. It's just going to be us taking a look at some of the biggest games for Tuesday's slate. We're going to go over a little bit of some of this ACC play and some Big East play as well and just bring you through how we use shotqualitybets.com to handicap the game. We haven't really taken much of a look at these games yet. We're doing it a little bit off the cuff so that you at home can understand how we get our takes on these games using what Shot Quality Bets provides. So, Big 3, how have you been? How you doing? It's been a minute. Just you and me today. Kind of missed you, bud. How's uh, how's the season been treating you so far in the last week or so? You know, last week or so, not as good as before, but um, still still up pretty good on the season um, on posted picks. And I mean, the shot quality model has been doing awesome. We kind of just joked right before the podcast here of how it was kind of the totals that that took off um, the first month of the season with the model. And then this last week, sides were just unreal. And so kind of an exciting time, I think. We joked around a little bit about it, but I think it has to do with just overreactions, not only, you know, in the market and with people's opinions so far, but also some of these models that are are setting markets, you know, and I think that it's an exciting time and to see the shot quality betting model just do so well in the past week as, you know, <laughs> as some of those are priors and some of other stuff is, is kind of holding true is is pretty awesome and pretty encouraging moving forward. Definitely. And to your point, 107, 82 and three in the last six or seven days for the shot quality model. No one's complaining about 16.8 units. The season has been going great. We're up to 845, 682 and 25, a net profit of 94.8 units, a return on investment of 5.5% win percentage above 55. I mean, a lot of fives, but no one's complaining. It has been a great couple weeks. Saturdays have been net profitable for like the last month, and everyone knows how crazy it can be on Saturday. So really been enjoying some of the results. I hope those at home have been too. You can, of course, sign up for just $20 a week to get access to you know, a heavy, it is a heavy dosage of plays, right? It's close to 250 plays a week, but it is a powerful set of eyes, a weighted coin, 55 and a half percent success rate is hard to come by at this sample size. So we're very proud of what it's doing. We are building new ways to understand the model into our site coming soon. It's an exciting time. No one's complaining about being further ahead than we were all of last season in unit count. So Kudos to you, Mr. Big Three. I know you're one of the, uh, not one of, you are the mind behind this who has really put this together, created something awesome for all of us at home to just conveniently win some bets on. So uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about how to best use it today as we dive into some of these games, but be sure to check it out. It is honestly one of the sharpest models in all of college betting basketball. And I thought that even before I worked here. So, uh, you know, it's true. Anyway. On to some of these games that are coming up. We're going to get right to it, talk a little bit about our first impressions, what's going on with some of these lines, and of course, give you what the shock quality model says you should pick if it has a say. Anyway, so a little bit of ACC play. We saw the first round occur already. We have games for Tuesday here. Virginia is traveling to Miami 
They're going to be playing a, a pretty tightly contested match uh, in Coral Gables. Big three. This is uh, coming out around two points or so right now. What are we thinking of this game? How are you seeing this Virginia team, which is ranked in the top 15 on a lot of uh, reputable sites? You know, I I was pretty low on Virginia coming into the season. I It just didn't really make sense to me how they were predicted to do so much better this year after last year's disaster. And Tony Bennett, historically, obviously a great defensive coach, um, historically just not great on the offensive end. And I I just didn't really see it this year. Or I coming into the season, I, I really didn't expect them to kind of make any sort of offensive jump um, and their offenses look much better and they still are the same, very, very slow um, team, you know, like just really limited possessions in their games, but that um, Houston Virginia game was fun. And I mean, like, honestly, you look at Virginia's offense right now, um, efficiency wise, it's borderline better than the defense. And I think like in that Houston game, they showed that, they're pretty good to almost good enough to play with anyone, you know? And I think that Houston's a team that we at shot quality along with most analytic sites think is one of the better teams in the country. And um, I don't know, like they, they played well with Houston. I, I do think that they're, they're pretty legit. I'm not so sure I'm convinced to, to say that they're in the top 15, but um, I don't know. They're definitely up there and definitely going to be a contender in the ACC this year. That's pretty wide open. Yeah. I mean, look, 15 was probably a little high. It's probably 20. 20 is a little fair. Uh, but yeah, they have been a really solid offense. And like you said, this is usually a program that, you know, makes its living off of its defense. And they're still doing a good job. Rated 38th right now in shot quality, adjusted defensive uh, SQ. Uh, so look, they are making it difficult for their opponents. Uh, specifically, they are really, really strong at uh, limiting transition points, which of course can, you know, stop a lot of teams from, you know, maybe out athleticisming you. Is that out? I don't even know. Outrunning you. They don't really have that problem, right? They also don't commit a lot of offensive turnovers. They slow the game down. They are very efficient themselves when they run in transition. And, and you really have to like shoot the lights out. It feels like to beat this Virginia team because of now how efficient this Tony Bennett offense is. I mean, is that, do you think that's a fair assumption? Is that what we're going to need to see from Miami if they're going to be able to uh, win this game at home? Yeah. You know, Miami's a weird one. Remember they had that game like a week ago against Cornell where I think it was like 62 to 52 at halftime or something like that. Isn't that right? Um, Whatever it was, it was super high scoring. Um, 107-105 at the end. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And this is a game. So as we talk about how we kind of go about capping these games um, and what you can do with shot quality. So shot quality model has this game at 62 to 61. Um, it has Virginia winning. So pretty much no edge on the side. But we do have 11 points of value on the under here. Um, right now the total sitting at around 135 as the opener we have this at 123 um and that's definitely a side that i would agree with here i think that virginia tends to get their way with the pace in these games um I, like that houston game the total i think finished higher than than they really played i think that 
obviously there was a lot of fouling, a lot of stuff going on at the end of that game um, that just kind of made it seem like it soared over, even though it really was, was kind of down to the wire the whole time with that total. Um, And I think that if you look at Miami too, they've played four games in a row now where they've scored 80 or more, but kind of looking at some of their earlier games against slower teams, you have like Rutgers, UCF, um, where they're playing games in the one twenties. And I think that, with a slower Virginia team here, a, a very efficient defensive Virginia team, I, I just don't think that they're – it's not going to be a fast-paced. It's not going to be a super high-scoring game, in my opinion. So I would agree with the model here, um, which has done very, very well on unders as well. So I kind of – when I see, when I see that under there, um gets me a little excited. Like we talked about a little bit earlier with the other records, but hitting at 60% on the dot on unders this year in a 387 game sample size. So definitely pretty excited to see an under on that one. And, and I would agree with the side regardless. Um, I, I do think that the under is the right, the right play here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking actually a little bit of a deeper look using the trend finder right now, which is one of our premium tools. There have been four games so far for Miami where the total has closed between 134 and 136 and and they went over in just one of them, right? So and that was the Louisville game where they dropped eighty and and they oh no sorry that was not that one that was the UNC Greensboro game where it was seventy nine sixty five they held Louisville to like only fifty three points and the game went under by three. But what was interesting about those games was that three zero and one against the spread but shot quality rates them oh and four so rated them all as losses i just think that's pretty interesting because you take a look at how virginia is going to make this game go and i feel like maybe we need to take a look at the miami team total to stay a little low i feel like they could be limited to that 67 68 point uh, type of night that we have seen against some of these slower teams. And I would expect them to probably be around. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what this line's going to come out as. Has has it come out big three? Have we seen a line for this one yet? Yeah, I think it's Virginia minus two-ish um, as the opener. So. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. It looks like it's going to be 69-67 projected on Ken Palm. Okay, so look, I still think you probably might have a good play at under 67.5 or under 67 for the team total for Miami. I just take a look at how Virginia has done some of the teams that they've played against. I mean, we've seen... You know, they, they played against James Madison, whose offense has been pretty good. Houston, they held, what, under under 70 points. I mean, that's still a pretty big accomplishment. Um, you know, Illinois, they held the 61. I could just see them limiting this Miami team. And I don't know if they're going to, you know, win because of it. It's going to – I really think it's going to come down to Miami's shooting performance. But I could really see this slowed down. And, and they really, I mean, the average possession length is is one of the highest in the country for sure. So, you know, 350 offense, 344th in terms of speed. Not really going to be a fast game. I think you can definitely look at the under here. Yeah, I would agree. And I mean, I think like one of the things too is, is I don't know, Virginia has just been playing not faster i guess but just like their their offense has been more efficient right um and i think like you look at this and you just talk about like okay who who's gonna get to control the the tempo here and and we've talked about this on previous podcasts too it's a lot easier to slow teams up um especially with the pack line defense that virginia does play like it's 
it's really hard to speed Virginia up a bunch. And I think that Miami, especially at home here, I don't think that they're going to get run out of the gym. And I, I, I do think that it'll be a pretty tight game. And I just think that the pace will probably be dictated by um, Virginia. And you look at like Miami, this is only the second game all year that Miami's been underdogs in. Um, the other one was they were what, like a one point dog to, to Maryland. And the shot quality score there was under by 10, but the game went over by 15. Right. So I think it's always kind of interesting to look at that too, right? Like when you're playing a team that's at least similar level competition or better, you know, like even if you look at games where Miami was minus four or less this year, um, you know, one in three to the over. So definitely kind of looking like these tighter games and games that, that aren't really like blowouts in favor of Miami. Um, they have been kind of playing to the under a little bit. So that's kind of good to see as well. Yeah, and I think something really interesting about like the number of possessions that we're seeing, uh, especially with Virginia, is that their lowest total possession pace was against Houston, and, and you could probably argue that that was their, you know, by far their toughest test. And I, I think Miami's going to be another pretty tough test. I mean, they have played Michigan, they played Illinois, they played Baylor, but you know, Miami, this is this is now into ACC play. This is you know, going to be a game where buckets are at a premium, especially early. Both these teams have high hopes for the season. And I've I've liked what I've seen in terms of the defensive efficiency for Miami, too. And it honestly feels like the offense for Virginia was a lot stronger at the beginning of the season. And, you know, that was probably inflated by a very fast paced Baylor game. Uh, you know, the very effective win against Illinois as well. I think that they're going to sit a little bit more on their defense here against Miami in conference play. We're going to see that, you know, I guess, expectation of Virginia return. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot, right? Sort of trying to almost ignore the start of the season when you're evaluating these games can be so crucial. And, you know, thinking of Virginia as an offensive team going into ACC play is definitely not the right mindset. They're going to slow it down. They're going to get back to what they do. Uh, I could, I could very, very easily see this one coming in at 124, 125 points. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane when you have Miami, who's essentially a middle of the pack tempo team, right? right. Um, in Virginia, who's probably the slowest team in the country to see a total at 135 just does not make sense. And you're like, okay, where is that coming from? It's coming from, the fact that efficiencies are being factored in, right? And they're saying Virginia is a super, super efficient offense and, you know, Miami too, and neither of the defenses are are really that efficient. And I think like we would both agree that while Virginia offense might be better this year, I don't think that they're super, super efficient. I don't think that we'll continue to see that. So I would say probably a little overreaction there on, on some of the offensive and defensive efficiencies because this total is not matching um, – the tempo that I think we're going to see in the game. I would agree. I think it's going to be very interesting. And, and final point here, uh, as, as we continue to sort of just move on and in, in what's going on here, but I think it's always interesting to use shot qualities, regression stats. I think they're really, really powerful. Uh, and we can just take a, a look at how Virginia's offensive, uh, you know, efficiencies have been. And, and the one that jumps out at you and, and the one that I have my, probably my eyes go to always, and maybe you agree or not, but, the three point regression, right? Like how, how have you been doing on the most valuable shot in the game? Have you been overperforming or underperforming? And and it looks as though Virginia is overperforming by a 4% margin. So you could see 
maybe them start to go cold. And if they are overperforming, that means the efficiency metrics are a little bit bloated and you're seeing too much respect for how many points they can put up. So I, I think that's just another like nail in the coffin here for the under expecting Virginia to regress four points on their three point shooting could, you know, lead to a couple clanks and that's all you need sometimes to cash an under. Right. So uh, I'm all into it. I love it. I think this is gonna be a great play. Uh, it should be a fun game on Tuesday to check out. Um, and yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Let's let's keep going. Let's talk a little bit about what we see in the Big East. Uh, this is gonna be a fun matchup. We have seen some good stuff out of this Marquette team, and then I feel like everybody has an opinion about Providence. Like you don't you don't like exist in the college basketball betting space without some opinion on Providence, how what their year was like last year. Uh, but this is slated to be a one-point line, Providence getting a little home court love. Uh, I don't know your opinion, Big Three, on home court during you know holiday break. Is that Should we be discounting home court a little bit? I mean, Marquette has been on fire. They looked really good in their last game out against Creighton. They beat them by 11. Um, you know, it, it, that was like a three point line and, and it was a, a no sweat game pretty much for, for Marquette. What do you make of the golden Eagles? Are they going to be able to handle the Friars? Uh, this is one of the most interesting games of the day for me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start off with the shot quality prediction here, just because that's typically where I start off with this analysis, but we have Providence winning 72, um, to Marquette 69. So we have Providence as pretty much a three point favorite here. Um, I, I, I mean, this is a tough one for me because honestly, I really did not think that Marquette was going to be this good um, coming into the season and by this good, obviously they're not one of the top teams in the country, but they have been super competitive. And I think like in the post Woj era, um, I don't know, they don't have like a ton of recognizable names or like a, a a ton of talent on the team that I think like a casual um, college basketball fan would know and like really recognize, but they, I mean, they've been pretty good offensively and defensively this year and they do play pretty fast, um, which I don't know is interesting too for the tempo here because we have this game under by eight points, you know? And I think like this is another spot that I really like the under in. I'm glad that, the model likes it because it's a spot I'm pretty excited about. I'm not super interested on the side here. I will say I, I do think Providence is the side um, if the number's right. So I think if you can get like a plus one, a plus two on Providence, I, I do think that's probably pretty good value. Maybe take them on the money line, not taking a plus one. But um, I, I would agree kind of with where the threshold's sitting for shot quality bets there. So shot quality bets is essentially saying, making Providence a two and a half point favorite ish um, that if you can get plus one and a half or plus two, that Providence would be a play on, which I would kind of agree here. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are there. Look, it's, it's very interesting. You talk about Marquette and their tempo. I mean, they are like one of the fastest offenses, but yet they do slow down their opponents on defense, right? So they're just finding their shots quickly. They're running their offense effectively uh, you know, they they are doing a pretty good job, uh, you know, taking care of the ball, playing good defense. Uh, they are shooting the heck out of the mid range and at the rim. They're they're fourth in two point shooting percentage, uh, which is, you know, maybe due for a little bit of regression. Let's let's check out what shot quality thinks of Marquette in terms of regression and, and just this team 
Uh, it, it hasn't really been easy to get a grip on teams like this, right? And we talk about it all the time. We talked about it already today. Like there are, you know, a, spots of value where the entire market becomes infatuated on a team's hot start, right? Or it's like, oh man, Marquette just beat Creighton. But, you know, Creighton's been struggling. Do you really give them all that much credit for a win without a star player? Um, you know, without an identity for that Creighton team. And it was only a six-point win by shot quality, right? 11 points on the floor. So maybe a little less impressive there. I Look, I like this Marquette team. They are literally ranked first in efficiency attacking the rim in the nation. Uh, seventh in good passing. Eighth in good spacing on defense. 24th in efficient transition. Like, there aren't too many bad things about this team and they aren't really even due for much po- uh, negative regression on the offensive end. So they are performing pretty fairly. Uh, man, it, it makes it kind of hard seeing this, but Providence is also very strong. Like th- we, we definitely can't discount this Providence team, especially at home. I'm sure they're still going to have a pretty good uh, environment here in, in Rhode Island. I mean, this is a local team uh, for sure. And, and they're due to improve on their shooting metrics. Their defense is due for a little def- uh, negative regression, though. So, I don't know. This is a tough game. It's a handicap. I don't really have something immediately. I would lean literally like fading the media narratives. Uh, such a default. We've seen it work so well. So, yeah, I would probably go with the team, like fading the team that everyone's talking about. And that's Marquette. It's going to be a tough travel spot in Big East play. If you can get plus points on the home team, I like it. Cooley is yeah. no one to mess around with here. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, I mean, Marquette's definitely trending upward, um, obviously off a win against Creighton, which might not mean as much now. Um, and they did, I mean, they hung around with Wisconsin. Shot quality had them winning that game actually, but really have played well in their loss to Purdue. Shot quality also had them winning. So, I mean, this is a pretty legit team and obviously Shaka smart, um, is looking more like VCU Shaka Smart than than mm-hmm. Texas Shaka Smart, but yeah. I I will say the home court advantage thing is interesting. Um, people love to just assume what eighteen or nineteen year olds like what's going yeah. through their mind or what's going to happen. You know how many fans are going to show up or how much fans are going to care about like that right. type of stuff. To me, is just like it's not even worth taking into account. And like the the funny thing is, is like okay, smaller schools in the middle of nowhere, right? Like. I, I'm not even going to try to come up with a couple of them, but like the smaller schools, you probably don't have many students going to games anyways. Like in the bigger right, schools, right, right. like a Duke or like a North Carolina, like everyone's the there anyway, will right. still be filled, you know? And so I, I think that it's kind of hard to judge based on that. And like, if you look at like Arizona is a great example, right? On Saturday night, the Arizona game, the place, I mean, I'm sure students are gone or home for break or whatever, but that the gym was rocking. And I think like, I don't think that you should really discount home court advantage because of the holidays. People are still going to these games. I I don't think that it's a huge impact. Um, And part of home court advantage is not just like how rowdy the fans are, right? right? Yeah. A big part of that too, is like familiarity with like background, you know, like lack of travel, like sleeping in your own bed, like whatever it may be, but that like familiarity is a huge component of home court too. And so even if you are discounting like how rowdy the gym's going to be, maybe half a point, right? So I do think that if you can get Providence at plus money here at home, that's a good luck. But I will say just looking more at some of these regression stats too, I, I'm just getting 
more and more sold on the under, right? You have, mm-hmm. you know, like right now you look at, um, who, who did I got up Providence? Yeah. Like, like you said, some defensive, big defensive regression on, you know, teams are shooting 78% from the free throw line against them, you know, like mid range, 44%, they should only be shooting 38%. Like definitely looking like both of these teams, especially defensively. Well, I guess for Providence offensively for um, Marquette, like there's some room. I don't know. Like maybe we're seeing too high of totals for what they've been playing to, but I don't know. I, I just do think like, this is a high total. And I I understand that it's a fast team in Marquette against a pretty medium paced team in Providence. But even that Providence last game against Seton hall, um, I think the model had under wonder one thirty six ish. And it should have gotten home. Both teams started out blazing hot. And then the end of the game, same thing. There was a bunch of fouling, bunch of made shots down the end, but the under should have gotten home. And I think that, now going from 136 against Seton Hall up to like 150 here is just, it's too high. And I think Providence totals are continuing to be inflated and obviously shot quality disagrees. So yeah, I, I do agree with the under here. I, another interesting point that I'm seeing in terms of possessions allowed for Marquette through their first five games, they were uh, averaging about 74 possessions allowed. Now that we're through 12 games, the average has fallen all the way to 65. So the pace has definitely been a little bit slower. Marquette is settling in to a maybe a little bit more of a defensive identity. And and what's also interesting is just how Providence has looked. Uh, so it makes me hesitant. Like Marquette's been playing a lot of good games. They look, they've looked really good against like Georgia Tech. They played great against Baylor, coming off of a really nice looking game against Creighton and uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I don't even freaking know my American and my French. But uh, Providence though has really kind of turned a corner. They had like some struggles to start the year. You know, they didn't look so good against like the Stonehill. Like they had like a kind of a rough go against Merrimack, Miami. They had a bad game, but they've kind of turned it around. The Seton Hall game. They like kind of clowned Albany and Manhattan rightfully. They had a good outing versus Rhode Island. I think that they're they've had those they've had their four best games in their last four games by game score. So they're they're clicking a little bit, and yet you know you're gonna hear more about Marquette because they beat like the fan favorite in Creighton uh, only last time out. So I think this is gonna be a really sneaky spot to take Providence and, and probably bank on them maybe succumbing to the slower pace Marquette is okay with playing, and this really being a battle in the Big East. All all of these games as we start this conference play, I just default these unders because they know each other and that usually means better defensive sets better uh, ability to like coach head-to-head better defensive adjustments in the second half amongst coaches who have played against each other for for years uh, yeah well, maybe well, not in this specific case but you know what i'm talking about yeah 100 percent. and just to like clue people in on the model because well i built it um <laughs> there is an adjustment towards unders um, in conference games. And it's not huge, and I'm not going to say what it is, but in a conference game, the under is boosted. And also, the home team is boosted a little bit in conference games. Nice. And I think like one way to look at it, too, is like you you definitely value the conference games more, right? Like most teams, obviously, is a little different in these bigger conferences, but especially in smaller conferences, your only chance to make the tournament is winning the conference, right? The conference tournament. Um, 
And you have to do that through having a good regular season in conference play and getting a good seed, whatever it may be. But these games are definitely valued more um, and even in these bigger conferences. And I think what happens is valuing usually typically leads to valuing the offensive possessions more, being more careful um, and not for every team. And this is obviously like not a blanket statement, but I do think it leads to slower offensive possessions. And our data has shown that. And I think other data would also show that, but, and it's why like tempo rankings on Ken Palm or tempo numbers on Ken Palm start to get shifted down as the season progresses, right? Like by a couple possessions because teams start to be a little more careful. So I will say that that's something to look at now as, you know, half the games are still non-conference and half of them are conference in these conference games definitely give the Mm -hmm. under a little bit of a bump and the home team a little bit of a bump as well. Um, I think just go ahead. No, no, no. I think you're just totally right. And, And especially in these power conferences where, you know what are, are, who really like and the odds reflect this none of these teams like are the dead like right home lock in favorite to win the conference tournament those tournaments can go any which direction it doesn't matter if connecticut is the number one team in the country the number five team in the country like one bad game against a familiar opponent and all of a sudden somebody else gets the auto bid right so these games yeah. against you know these bigger opponents, these conference opponents, they really matter because you need essentially to lock in the at-large bid. You need to get that that invitation to the tournament without depending on your your winning of the conference tournament because it's such a a difficult thing to do. It's it's pretty close to the difficulty of winning the the whole thing or getting more like getting to the Elite Eight, but like still it's it's a tough task so they take these games seriously because you know providence needs to handle marquette here to build their resume they need every possession to count they need to play wall-to-wall defense if this marquette team is allowed to come in and run the offense that is ranking in the top 20 top 25 in terms of efficiency against this providence defense that honestly has been a little lackluster their defense is not ranking even in like the top 100 on most efficiency sites so i think providence keys in with the defense knows they need to limit this marquette team understands the weight of this game because providence more than marquette is not winning that conference tournament. Like they just have to go through the ringer this year. Xavier is good. St. John's is dangerous. Creighton is dangerous. Villanova is, is sitting here as this dark horse in the big East. Like what, what is like, it's such a crazy year for this conference that these games just mean so much. And so, yeah, I just default to slowing it down every possession mattering. And I love that type of basketball. It's so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, honestly, where you kind of get in trouble with some of these is, the fouling and and how long teams will go at the end of the game. Right. And so this is kind of a spot too, where I don't hate to look at like a first half under, yeah. right. It's like, okay, you know, that Marquette and Providence, obviously you want a big conference win. This is now the second conference game, but conference seating is going to matter. We just talked about it. They care a lot about doing well in conference games and it's like, you know, a familiar opponent. So you really obviously want to win that can't drop one at home. If you're Providence, all those different factors, but yep. yep you get a lot of, you probably get elongated fouling and it kind of stretching Mm -hmm. out the game towards the end. And so you can kind of get into trouble with that in the second half, but it's kind of a good angle to play the first half under. And if the first half soars over, maybe you want to take the second half under. Um, But I like yeah, it. I, I do think that's another good angle in these games as well. Yeah, no, look, and, and this is going to be a very big game. I mean, look, Providence looked nice against Seton Hall. 
that wasn't a joke of a win on the road. Uh, and like they're they're gonna be a, that's like a, a quad two win for them, right? So Came that's what, behind, too. I think they might have right. been down even like double digits at one point in that one. So yeah, yeah. they really they were man. They it was it was fifty four fifty seven, and they ended up winning it. 70 67 they were down right they oh man they were down 27 36 at the half and yeah. they came back and they got it done so they they really kind of turned it up they they got a nice scoring run from 54 57 all the way to 62 57 and then just didn't really relinquish it did get to one point but man i don't know this this providence team was like one of the luckiest teams last year right and everyone was ragging on that luck rating on on ken palm and everything i i'm interested to see how this one goes this is a this is gonna be a great game for tuesday um but yeah we've spent a while on it so i hope that it's been kind of cool hearing about just how many different looks you can take with the with the data from shot quality and of course if you want to dive even deeper you can get shot quality premium to look into the matchup breakdowns that we have every single proprietary stat from shot quality compared offensively and defensively easy conveniently for you to just look and see where one team might have a bigger advantage than expected it's a it's a cool way to take a look no more clicking between tabs it's all in one place for you on shotqualitybets.com but Let's take a look at one final game for Tuesday before we uh, head out here. We want to talk a little bit about this Oklahoma-Florida game. I mean, this is uh, this is a pretty interesting one. 9.30 p.m. going to be on ESPN2. Uh, what do you make of what this one's going to be here? This Big 12 Oklahoma team uh, is is going to be matched up pretty interestingly with Florida. How, how are you, uh, getting this sec big 12 matchup going? Yeah, I will say I was really high on Florida coming into the season. Um, I think that, well, I really disliked Mike white. Um, and I was glad to see him leave. And I think golden is a great coach and I was really excited about them. Um, some of the transfers they got and they looked poor um to start the season obviously losing to florida atlantic which is not looking like that bad of a loss anymore um and they've just looked not great in a lot of their games but shot quality despite them getting just run out of the gym a couple weeks ago against uconn shot quality actually had them beating uconn in that game which to me in a uconn team that people think is arguably or easily the best team in the country right now that's UConn's only shot quality loss is that game and yes they won the game by 21 I understand but that is the only game really that's been even close shot quality score for UConn so this is not the thing where it's like oh shot quality just hates UConn or they're against UConn in every game like that's the one game that shot quality had UConn losing and um, I don't know I think that if that game went differently right and you look at what Florida's done where they just ran Ohio out of the gym a pretty decent Ohio team. Um, you're kind of sitting at a different spot with this, with this Florida team. So I am high on this Florida team. I do think they're going to come around and, um, I really like them here. I I think that it's a great spot. They forced eight steals against UConn. I mean, that's pretty nice. And look, they weren't very clean with the ball either in that game, but you know, they won the foul battle. They just shot terribly from deep four of 15. They shot 12 of 38 from the floor while UConn of course is, is sitting here shooting, you know, 23 of 39 from two and seven of 19 from three. So obviously it wasn't going to go very well. Um, you know, the, the points per possession 0.77 
for Florida. That is low. Even if you respect everything that UConn has done and, and you love, you know, how, how good they are on, on the inside here with uh, Klingon, like, I just... I don't know, man. You can't look at those points per possessions and lose by point three and say, oh, that's normal. I think Florida obviously could have played better there. Probably overperformance from Connecticut. They are maybe prone to do that, but you have to respect the fact that if you looked at the average expectations of the possessions, that Florida played well. And and look, I don't I don't hate that Ohio team that they clearly turned around and stomped in in a semi home it was it wasn't exactly a, a home game it wasn't exactly an away game but i i think florida could be the move here i i do think they are a pretty quick team they do move the ball really well they don't really turn the ball over too much it's it's pretty clean they shoot pretty well and they've been shot against really like i mean 35.5 percent three-point shooting against is is pretty high so I don't know if Oklahoma is going to come in here and continue to shoot 40% from three like they have, but this really feels like a, a big regression spot where Florida gets the positive regression, Oklahoma gets the negative regression. Um, uh, it's, it's a true neutral game, right? So it, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really good game. And and I, I think I would take Oklahoma. Uh, this game's in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Spectrum Center. So uh, we'll we'll have to see, but I, I think Florida might be the move. Yeah, no, I agree. I Chuck Woody Betts model has Florida by like five point eight ish here, and maybe even more. Um, I just had it up too, um, but I, I definitely agree with the side. I think that Florida, yeah, yeah five, five point six. Yeah, yep. Um, Florida is better than what we've seen, and I think that they're just going to continue to get better. Obviously, the SEC is tough this year, but they will beat teams like Arkansas, Alabama. Like they'll just, they will have really good wins because they're talented enough. Kyle Lofton, the transfer from St. Bonaventure just has not been as good as I thought he was going to be. Uh He's only had a couple like really good shot quality games so far, Um, but he looked good against Ohio and he's just better than that. And so I think that sometimes coming to a new team, coming from, you know, a team like St. Bonaventure where all those guys were seniors and had played together for four years, you know, to a brand new team with a bunch of different guys from new systems, new coach, like it just takes a while. And this team is going to come around and and this is a spot that I really like them in. And I, I would not be surprised if they win this one by double digits. Honestly, wow. I do think that this is a really good spot for Florida. And I think this Florida team is definitely a bet on team for probably all of conference play. Honestly, like I, I think if you bet on Florida every game they played for the rest of the season, you would be, you would be profitable. I think this is a team that people are, are too low on at this point and um, it's definitely just going to continue to get better. I like it. I like it. I think that's a, a, a pretty fair statement. And look, the numbers back you up. Like, you know, Florida is currently rated on shot quality as the 24th team in the nation. Offense 34th, defense 29th in in, uh, in adjusted shot quality. And, yeah. you go, and you no think, one else has them anywhere near 24, right? right? No, I think exactly. It, yeah. And Oklahoma comes in, and they're 77th. Their offense is currently rated 120th, defense 55th. So that's a pretty big discrepancy. You would expect the Florida defense to be able to handle what is essentially like a middle, uh, you know, like a cusp, middle, like top tier type of uh, offense. 
I, yeah. I haven't really been super impressed. I mean, you go, you take a look at like the central Arkansas game that they just played. Sure. They put up 87 points, but shot quality rated it as 69 points. You look at UMKC 75 points, actually 69. A lot of these games that we've seen Oklahoma play, their shot quality scores are lower than their on the floor score. I think it's like almost all of their more recent games have that feature. Yeah. I haven't seen, yeah, literally the last time that their shot quality expected score was higher was November 18th. So that is that is quite actually like seven straight games where shot quality says their points scored was an overperformance. So I'm definitely in line with this. This is a slower team too. Um, but you know what? They, they definitely haven't exactly played the craziest competition and we saw Arkansas gave them the business too right so and even Villanova was able to manage their way to beat this team and we know that Villanova hasn't been themselves so yeah. I'm I'm into it I like fading Oklahoma here this Florida team is definitely one I agree with you big three you can probably make some money just sort of playing on on their I guess lack of efficiency in the market right people are underrating them right now uh, you can you can yep. get some nice value. This might be a one point line, two point line. Like they could really run away with this. And, and look, no no disrespect to head coach Mr. Porter Moser, they are doing a a pretty good job. Like it's not like they aren't doing that great. Their shot selection is good, uh, but you know their and their shot making is pretty good too. But the the turnover percent on offense is really really worrisome. The rebounding rates on offense are really worrisome. The open three rates are worrisome. It's just the auxiliary stats for this offense are not where you want it to be. I do not think this is a good rebounding team, and Florida should be able to take advantage, get more possessions, uh, and just win on on that alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say too, last thing here, because obviously this has been one of the longer podcasts, but we do like the under here as well. And I think too, neutral court usually gets a little bit of a bump um, on unders too, just because of, we talked about familiarity or unfamiliarity with um, the shooting ground. So that's, yeah, definitely another notable thing here is we do like the under, but yeah, um, I don't know. Look, under yeah. Florida, I think both those are good looks. Yeah, look, it's going to be a great, day evening of games tuesday we have a fun couple days i mean it's gonna be a busy slate so if you're looking for a way to just get some reliable convenient wins shot quality bets model is one of the best uh definitely go check it out if you're interested in talking to either of us about it more we're always down to discuss what we are building here at shot quality bets you can follow me at Justin Perry eight on Twitter. All the tags are down low. Big three for three has a couple underscores in there. So make sure you get it right. But we will be back after the holiday break. Our next episode will be coming out on Tuesday. And if all goes well, you might see us on video showing you how we use these tools, giving you that preview into how you can use shot quality bets to upgrade your analysis, take everything to the next level and see the game with, you know, a set of eyes that really not too many people have. You know, you can't get an edge using what everybody uses and shot quality is that next step. So please tune in, hit the like, hit the subscribe, leave a comment, hit the five star rating, whatever you can do. If you enjoy this content and want to see us continue to make more, it really helps. And we will be back next week for another episode of the Shot Quality Bets podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time.